Hello, everyone, and welcome back to the IGN Movies Podcast. Keeping it real. Keeping it real all the time. I think we know who that is. <laughs> and I think we know who this is, Roth Cornette and Chris Carl. Yep. Uh, so we've got uh, a lot to talk about this week. And, of course, as, as uh, some of the, the readers have pointed out to us. I just got my serious face on. He Why? said that, and then I got my serious we have face a lot on. To talk about, and then I—I I know I was like, I sit—I sat up straight as if I was going to get a lecture, and then I realized. <laughs> but we're actually going to talk about Batman. That's going to be. Amazing. It's kind of like when your significant other looks at you and yeah. says, "We have something to talk about." You're like, You're like oh, "Oh no, no. <laughs> we <face>. signed a <laughs> lease. <laughs> you know? We're not face, talking huh? about that just yet." Um, but uh, no, let's see. Uh, we've we've I lost my train of thought. Oh yeah, we we of course, as the readers have pointed out to us. Huge news seems to drop on fr- the Friday Absolutely. after we do our, our podcast last mm-hmm. week. Uh, a little Batman versus Superman stuff. But before we get into that, let's talk about uh, last weekend's uh, box office. We're right along three-peated, the rare three-peat. You saw that coming. Yeah. Uh, Jimbo's called it. Yeah. It was $12 million And then Frozen second place. That awkward moment. Third place with eight point seven million. I failed on the predictions last week. Well, you pulled a Carl. I did. Yeah. I, I'm, yeah. But don't worry. I'll, I'll. You'll be dwarf <laughs> you with my horrible <laughs> predictions this week. I used to be good at this. What's, I don't it's, know. it's. You know, it's, it's, it's interesting. I think um, there are certain sites that that track the, uh, the, um, the. I guess the tracking. They track the tracking on these movies and how they're going to perform. And and uh, the more I've read up on that, I've understand. Uh, begin to understand more like how they come up with those numbers and and the sampling that's used and how they can be right terribly, oracles, terribly off stones oracles you know. stone runes, <laughs> runes. <laughs> blind chicken witches bones, all <laughs> of the things all of the things that i am using hey like we have plenty of chicken bones around here at ign this the, is just because we eat badly though <laughs> the one time i ever predicted something perfectly was the 300 opening and uh and after that all these uh studio studio publicists were like how'd you do that what what did you know and i was like <laughs> um well you know if you follow my entire career of engaging <laughs> these things it's it's horrible so don't you know don't hire me as your oracle just yet or do uh, i would say do you hire you as the oracle well let's see uh labor day uh seventh place with 5.2 i think we called we that called one that. We, that, knew that we did call yeah we knew that one was going to be yeah. single digits um that's a dvd slash blu-ray movie if i've ever seen one you know like it just looked like a hallmark it's, movie it's yeah. And then the it, the strange thing to me was that it then had that cast. Yeah. You know, I was like, why are you in this? Mo- yeah, what Kate Winslet, What did the producers it? of this film uh, have on the two? Well, of it was you? Jason Reitman. <laughs> I can see like, well, oh, yeah, you know, Jason he's Reitman. doing that, but but like this is this movie kind of seemed outside of his wheelhouse too, right? Yeah, I was gonna say that that's even befuddling that Jason Reitman was the director was confused. The whole package was felt wrong to me. I was and like, that is what she said. <laughs> There we go. She said well, it actually. She did. It was literal. That's the what she said. The whole package just felt wrong. <laughs> <laughs> um, let's mm. dive into that. All the news that we she want to talk about. Having a bad night. <laughs> <laughs> uh, there we go. Oh, That's I'm two. Mute. We're five minutes into this, and she's already got two bells. It's I'm, a it's I'm a two alarm fire. How did, how did I take responsibility <laughs> for the first bell? That was you. Sir. I guess that was. Um, so Batman versus Superman news. Jesse. Yes. Jesse, I, yeah, we're going to start just giving, you know, because everything ends up with an acronym, <laughs> BVS. Uh, Jesse Eisenberg and, and Jeremy Irons officially announced as being cast in BVS. Jesse Eisenberg <laughs> is Lex Luthor, a uh, casting that nobody saw coming. And then Jeremy Irons is Alfred Pennyworth, the butler. Um, 
now we did a big um, editorial Google chat on this last week, and and Carl, you didn't get a chance to sit in on I that. Did not. So uh, I'll embed that into the story so you guys can get more of uh, my thoughts and Roth's thoughts and some of the other guys. But Carl, what what do you think about Jesse Eisenberg as Lux Luthor? My initial reaction was he's too young, he's too baby faced. My reaction now is, well, Heath Ledger kind of said the same thing. I want to like wait and see. You know, I just want to wait and see. This movie, oh my god, I don't know how they're gonna make this movie good, but um, yeah. it just it just seems really it, okay. Here's here's the thing: when we were working up towards the Avengers, we knew. Hey, we're working towards the Avengers. We're going to get the Avengers. Or, you know, that's... There was kind of a concept of this is what we're building towards. Mm -hmm. With this, we, first of all, don't have the concept of what we're building towards. Everybody kind of knows that it's building towards Justice League. But nobody's really said this is for sure building towards Justice League. Now, all these people are getting added and added and added to this movie, which just makes us all go, "Uh uh-oh, pump the brakes. There's too many people being added to this movie. And now it's like... I don't know, man. There's so much stuff like swirling around this movie. My concern is that if you guys remember of all of the Marvel films, I think like I really I think Iron Man 2 w- probably had the most critical critiques. Fans have critiqued other films and so forth. Um because it felt like a very manufactured attempt to add in certain elements and certain characters in service of another property, right? Yeah. This this is starting. I mean, look, I'm I'm still ho- cautiously optimistic. I've said in that video, I think that this is an interesting casting choice in some ways. But my only thing is, like, this film is getting really fat with characters, and where's the story? What's the focus? Like, I want to care about this individual story, these characters, their relationships. I don't want it, or just do Justice League. Let's yeah. do it. You know, I. Just do it then. There are some rumors that that sprouted up uh, yesterday and today about that the rock. Uh, uh, not just about the Rock. We'll get to the Rock in a sec, but actually about the the film's take on Lex Luthor. And um, um, you know, again, we'll we'll see. Time will tell if these pan out. But one particular take on on Lex Luthor is that he will basically be a young, self-made man, not quite Mark Zuckerberg, more somebody who. Grew up in the streets, founded his own business, is actually like was in a street gang as a kid. Because that right there, I can't buy Jesse Eisenberg in that. <laughs> yeah, but I, um, I, I can't buy him as the guy beating up somebody for the lunch money. But <laughs> he just looks like a guy who like steps out of his door, walks three steps, and get in a, gets in a Prius. Yeah. But that he he'll have a shaved head so he won't be like naturally bald. He's just trying to look badass. And that he'll like wow. have arm tattoos, like sleeve tattoos. Yeah. And uh, that basically Bruce Wayne comes to Gotham City to help rebuild Gotham after the events Metropolis. of the first movie. Oh, I'm sorry. Metropolis. Yes, thank you. And um, and he doesn't like Lex Luthor just because he finds him to be a, a young punk of a <laughs> businessman. Right. And Lex Luthor doesn't like Bruce Wayne because he's, he's a, a self-made man. And, and Yeah, and that he thinks Bruce Wayne is just a trust fund baby. Yeah, which he is, by the way. He is, but what he had but to endure. What he had to endure, yes. He doesn't know what that, What he though. has given up. But Bruce Wayne's persona is... That's true. Bruce Wayne's persona, like, if, if I was the kid that grew up on the street and all I knew was that persona, I would think that he was a spoiled douchebag, too. 
Yeah. If, if we're He's assuming. The Biebs. If, if we're, <laughs> we're assuming if he has that same sort of like playboy, rich guy, I, I am a trust. He's going to be a little persona. bit older. He's going to be, I, yeah. I picture him almost in a weird way being like George Clooney. Like yeah. that guy who's the perpetual bachelor, but he's getting a little too old to be that now. So it's like, you, you just sort of like when they talk about who's he dating now, you're kind of like, why don't you just settle down? Yeah, dude. <laughs> it's closing time at the bar. You know, choose whoever you're with and, and, go home. <laughs> and make it a life. This, this is the thing, though, about that, about the new rumors about it. The this Jim Vavita story. <laughs> there, <laughs> there is a precedence for that in with the character. Mm-hmm. That's one of the things that we were theorizing about in our chat was that he would be... Or that I was, anyway. Like, that he would be a kind of had grown up on the streets and was scrappy and then was a young, self-made entrepreneur. Because then you sort of understand the resentment a little bit more. You know, like, here are these, both Bruce Wayne, who comes in and far as he's concerned, he's a trust fund kid. And here's this guy that he doesn't even have to do anything. You know, he was born sort of a ma- Superman. Yeah. He was just born better. Um I buy the shaved heads and the tattoos if we see a little bit of background of like first getting kind of beat up. Or what if um, he's like hiding them because now that's like them. his past that he doesn't want to come back. My my only issue, and forgive me for, for interrupting, was, you know, Lex Luthor has to be, <laughs> for lack of a better expression, a phantom menace. He has to be a businessman who on the surface seems like somebody that that everyone would do business with. If you come across like a young punk, the SEC is going to be all over you. The feds will be. Just look at Wolf of Wall Street. If you come off like that, you're making yourself a target. Lex Luthor has to be um, the guy that would be on the cover of Forbes or something like that. He has to be. He has to be. He has to be the. He's got to be clean, for lack of a better word. Well, I think that what if they do? If if what they do is that they make him that yeah, he's sort of put on that persona now. Um, that of the sort of Zuckerberg young genius persona, but that underneath that you've got this tough kid who, again, like if I say I will buy that only if I see him first as a little kid getting beat up and then somehow learning how to be really tough. He builds um, some sort of weapon. Makes some kind of weapon or something. He's yeah. Stewie. He's <laughs> yes. that would be awesome. He's a little evil baby Stewie. Oh, are you working on your screenplay, Batman? <laughs> how's, that, how's that going? You get a beginning, middle, and end. <laughs> I love that bit. <laughs> um, I mean, some of the stuff is like to me. Th- these are kind of interesting turns for the character. It is an interesting way to do it. I mean, there there are some. I haven't read a lot of the new Fifty Two, but I do understand that the Lex Luthor incarnation, and that is a little, little bit more the guy who's studying, um, studying the guy, you know, studying Superman like on screens and kind of sizing up this guy. And that uh, another thing about the rumor about the movie is that, you know, Eisenberg's Lex Luthor sees Superman as a threat to the world. Mm-hmm. And whereas Bruce Wayne says, you know, maybe this is somebody we can work with. Maybe there's a peaceful resolution to this. Yeah, I mean, I, I it's inter- I think it, I don't know. I, I think if you just focused right there on, on that as your sort of story fulcrum, those three characters, you, you kind of have an interesting movie. Mm. I start to get concerned because it gets so filled up with all of these other characters and then it splits the focus. But, but again, I think what's going to happen. we don't know. They're just going to appear for two minutes. Yeah. But that's, what happened in Iron, but that's what happened in Iron Man 2. But 
I mean, that wasn't the problem with Iron Man 2, honestly. It was a problem. The, but the problem with Iron Man 2 is it was bloated. It, like, it was yeah. It was just too complicated. Right. And But it wasn't the but it wasn't the <laughs> last two minutes that made it bloated and complicated. I don't think it the will be. The whole movie was. But I don't, okay, so, so theoretically. I'm bloated and complicated. But, but theoretically, <laughs> we, we have, at the very last two minutes, show up. The Rock, Gal Gadot, like all of these different people are just going to show up in the last two minutes. Of well, the I'm movie? not even saying like, that. I'm saying they may show up throughout the movie in small ways, and then, and then you go forward with the next movie, having introduced these characters. Well, let, let's give a little uh, clarification here on, on uh, why the Rock keeps coming up. Is that he posted it in his Instagram in November? This odd thing to say, like John Stewart can whoop. Superman's ass. Like, why would you, apropos of nothing, post that <laughs> as you're working out? And then a few weeks later, he, he posts that he's doing a DC movie. A few weeks and, earlier, he had, yeah. And and then and now, you know, but that, or is that went the order unnoticed. That I I I think the Instagram came first, and then the DC. And then somebody dug up the Instagram. Yeah, and it was the Instagram wasn't really like it. It was like the last hashtag and a pretty long Instagram post. And it was just, it, it just seemed to get by a lot of people. Um, so, you know, and then The Rock tweeted back to IGN when we tweeted it out. So, oh, no, I was just saying John Stewart can beat up Superman. Why? Why would you possibly say that? Like, no, you knew who John it. Stewart was. It he said did John Stewart, it. and then when he tweeted back at us, he said, all I'm saying is Lantern can beat Superman. So I think he actually clarified it a little bit. Yeah. But he's really social media savvy, so I think... Like he feels like maybe he's dropping hints and yeah. I think he's way. pulling a Vin Diesel. Yeah, I think yeah. so too. Except without the dancing, which is the best well, part. We're of being it. robbed of it. Seems like everybody, everybody wants Idris Elba in that role. Um, but I, I don't mind The Rock as Green Lantern. I mean, he's definitely. Well, you guys talk about what what the what the Rock would bring to this property. He's got the physicality. He's got uh, you know, he's obviously got a great persona i think he's seen he can definitely play the hero role i think all those things are marine ex-marine yeah the the one thing i would say is like he's lately, not i mean the rock is not but he could play one lately he's been too huge for this role physically. physically that is my only concern because i actually like i get he's franchise um he's bigger than fr- superman fran- he, he's franchise viagra he's the rock yeah. is so charming i mean it's it's impossible not to be charmed i think a little bit by him um but he is bigger than Superman. He's massive. And, and so th- my only concern or my only thought was like, he, th- if you have a person that is this massive of a human being, don't you want him to play a character that that's what's called for to some degree? But I mean, at the same time, they're just trying to, they're trying to build out their franchises. They're trying to find leads that can, a little. I think more than Marvel, Marvel's letting the characters take the lead. DC is hiring actors that can draw on an audience. You know, if The Rock is, will will it wipe the Last Lantern movie clean? Will it wipe the slate clean if The Rock takes on that role? I'm going to disagree with you there. With with the exception of The Rock, Henry Cavill's not like an open movies. And, uh, well, I mean, I guess Ben Affleck does. Yeah. But not ben, Affleck, ben Affleck as Batman is a different story. That, that in and of itself is a sort of... Uh, just this kind of pop culture moment where even if, when he was when he was announced people you know exes people that i hardly ever hear from 
reached out to me. Mm-hmm. Ben Affleck is we, playing Batman. We, like, they couldn't believe it. Like, it actually grabbed exactly. and I, the public's attention. I actually do think it was purposeful because, I look, Man of Steel, I don't think did as well for the studio as they wanted it to do. You know what I mean? I think it did fine. It did well. But I don't think it did as well as they wanted it to do. My guess is that with the exception of Wonder Woman, they have taken the approach of where they are letting the character take the lead in that particular case. They have, especially with The Rock, and especially with how the Last Lantern movie performed both critically and at the box office. I agree with you on The Rock, but I think that Affleck, it's not even clear that he's going to do a separate Batman movie. Right. And, you know, who else do we have? Gal Gadot? No, and obviously it's not opened a movie. No, at all. I, I said with the exception of her. With the yeah. exception of her, because but, but Henry J- Cavill is the same way though. He's like he's it is the character. It's not him. Okay, but I mean, Academy Award winning Alfred, Jeremy, Jeremy, Jeremy Irons. Irons. He's not getting his own movie either. No, he's not going to get his he own movie. Goddamn well better. <laughs> is, that, is that they they are packing this film seemingly. Other, with the exception of Wonder Woman, they are packing this film with either Academy-nominated or Academy Award-winning talent who, even if they didn't win like Ben Affleck didn't win for acting, has a big enough name that people in our families that don't pay attention to this thing paid attention to that. I just think it's a very interesting approach. But it's actually it's, an old-school approach because the Donner Superman movie it did the same thing, which is, like, I feel like right, Batman versus Superman is actually carrying on a tradition that that comic book movies get away from for a while. Um, I, I've been thinking, and I think we're probably going to do this piece like leading into the Oscars, of Marvel versus DC, who who's drawn in more kind of Oscar talent. Right. And the DC films, actually, I, I believe the last count I did, I think they actually have more of an Oscar-heavy pedigree than even the Marvel films. They though. absolutely do, and that's mm. kind of the point I'm trying to make because it was similar with the Chris Nolan franchise in terms of the talent that he found. This is very notable to me in terms of Batman versus Superman, but same, you know, he found sort of great talent as well. I mean, I think he had been... I mean, I feel like Bale had been... Wasn't he nominated for an? Was he nominated for Empire of the Sun or no, em- no, Empire no? But the, he was he was on people's uh, radar on people's very radar. early. Uh, he had gotten a lot of indie nods and stuff like that, well, like American very, Psycho and the all The very that. first movie that he did, Empire of the Sun, I think that movie at least was nominated for Academy Award when he was a little kid. So I'm just saying, like, it is notably different to me that other than Glenn Close and Robert Redford the way that Marvel is casting versus the way that Warner Brothers and DC is casting. It's just interesting. I mean, I think uh, Gwyneth Paltrow was the only, off the top of my head, was the only, her and Kingsley would have been the only uh, existing Oscar winners. Bridges won after he did Iron Man, I think. And then, like, Downey's been nominated, you know, it's never won. Um, Mickey Rourke nominated, never won. They, you know, they don't have like their sort of, um, they're like Morgan Freeman, you know, those kind of Michael Caines, those kinds. Yeah. And even in that case, in terms of Downey and so forth, he, they went after Downey when he was like at the bottom edge of his career at that point. They made his career. They made his career come back to life. And in this case, they're going after people that are big star other than Gal Gadot. They're going after people that are big stars right now. Even Jesse Eisenberg of a mm-hmm. of that generation, mm. of that generation. Uh, let me uh, let let's uh, segue to a different comic book property, if we will. Something that isn't 
as uh, stellar looking right now. Fantastic Four. Yeah, that movie, holy woolly. Yeah. <laughs> Fantastic Four, the reboot. So here's here's the deal. Here's what's going on there. So Emmy Rossum has been uh, uh, reportedly a screen tested for the role of Sue Storm. Uh, a British actor named by the name of Christian Cook has screen tested for Ben Grimm. Uh, Kate Mara is also uh, screen tested for for Sue Storm. Miles Teller for Reed Richards. Michael B. Wow. Jordan's already set for for Human Torch. And then there was a rumor that the director has since shot down that for Doctor Doom, they would even consider they being Fox consider a gender switcheroo just to open up their options there. Uh, let's say for the sake of conversation. <laughs> What do you think about uh, a Doctor Doctor Doom being? Ugh. Yeah, no, I don't want it at all, man. I mean, I don't. You don't I, want no, this movie at all, or do no? It? Well, this movie, I I just think that all the casting choices sound weird, and I just I don't like the gender switch for Doctor Doom. Like, if you're gonna do that, just take a good female character and make her a villain. You know, like that's what you do there. Like, I think there are so there are so few like things that I think are actually hallowed ground but like dr doom is like one of my favorite villains ever yeah and i would hate to see dr doom be changed like that it would just be so weird yeah do uh, you, what do you think roth i don't know i mean <sighs> and, it, and this is not about lady versus man it's about that character works as the character that is on the page you know period yeah i mean in terms of i don't know i i i mean He's a dictator. Have there really been many female well, dictators? It's, it's right of there. Eastern at, Europe. It's yeah. it's right there in the word. You know what I mean? <laughs> mm, true. Um, true that. I I think no, there have not it's been more a like lot. Dictator doom. There have not been a lot of female <laughs> dictators of any country. As a matter of fact, <laughs> I mean, I guess. I guess like there've been like well, the I mean there have been there, evil queens and stuff been, like that but No, I mean there've there've been more like um the cohort, like the yeah. the white like the, the Ava, Lady Macbeth types. Uh, yeah, like the um and this wasn't even necessarily like in terms of like there's like the Melda Marcos. The Melda Marcoses, there's yeah. the Ava the Perones. Ev- yeah, yeah. Um there's people like that. But Here I we go get Madonna's <laughs> Doctor Doom and she can I, I Don't think cry for me let's <laughs> do, do I think that it should be switched to a female? No, not necessarily. Like why? But I also think that I understand there's a level of sensitivity around people with characters that they love, you mm-hmm. know, and and seeing them change. So I get that. I think that some cases, like I've seen them make, um, in certain casting choices, make the character black or Hispanic, and then sometimes people get upset about that. That doesn't bother me because I yeah. feel like, who, well, what's the difference? I mean, like, yeah. you know. Well, it's uh, let, let's uh, let's talk about some other marvelous women. I also want to say, though, that I am more... I just that does not sound like it's shaping up to be a, a real winner. So like, no, it really sounds pretty terrible. All things considered, but <laughs> I, so I, I, the only the only shining piece of news out of that is maybe Emmy Rossum. I think she could be good as yeah. Storm. Yeah, I don't know. She for me, she burned a lot of bridges with uh, Dragon Ball. I know she's awesome on Shameless, but the last time she did a genre movie for Fox was Dragon Ball, and I just sort of like you. I know. <laughs> so in comparison, I. I am very excited about Batman versus Superman. <laughs> what, ab- what about Ant-Man no. and Evangeline Lilly joining awesome. Ant-Man That's as awesome. the female lead? They did not specify which character. There is some speculation 
that she could be maybe Henry Pym's daughter. He did not have a daughter in the comics, but, you know, I mean, uh, uh, Joe Cornish and Edgar Wright probably are going to, you know, have some creative license there. Or could she be uh, the Wasp? Yeah, I mean, I thought that the speculation, what I understood the speculation was, like, that they were really kind of playing with the, with the, the relationships in the comic because obviously I don't think it's going to be a May September romance, mm. you know, thing yeah. where she would be the wasp um, and she would suddenly be married to Michael Douglas or with him in some way. So I thought there was speculation that she may be his daughter and that I mean, she would what be the it, wasp. I guess you could still That'd do the abusive relationship weird? thing and he maybe he was just an abusive dad and they sidestepped the wife beating thing. They're not going to even address the abusive anything that's the tag at the end of the movie the <laughs> post credit scene is just no, whack the, <laughs> the tag at the end of the movie is no wife beating um yeah. i don't know like do you think do you think it's weird if they have those two characters in the movie but they are not connected i, I mean it would be strange i don't really think that i mean I, I think they will be connected in some way maybe not like father daughter maybe maybe not in a relationship they might be like mentor student kind of thing right um, true so, yeah, I mean, I don't know. There's different ways that they could do it. Maybe they're mentor student that have, like, a little It's like educating Rita, but educating with Rita. superheroes. I don't know. I, I love I love Evangeline Lilly. She was really one of my favorite parts of The Hobbit, even though that character and wasn't. She's a wonderful person, too. We've, yeah. Like the, you've met her, right? I haven't, but oh, she's awesome. But the character, that character, was not in the books. You mm-hmm. know, that was that was them playing with the source material. I know again, like I know that people get real sensitive about: Are they playing with the source material? Are they changing it? And I do really understand that because there are some things we just hold sacred. Yeah. Um, let's but talk. I'd, let's talk about. I'd like sorry, to see her as that character. Well, uh, let's talk about uh, switch it up a little bit here and talk about. Um, Star Wars Episode Seven. I just want to throw a couple of news items out there because I, I think we're probably a little behind schedule here. But Star Wars Episode Seven. Gary Oldman says in an interview that he has been approached about a role in Episode Seven. Uh, what do you think? Will he probably be buried under makeup, do a mocap thing, or could he? Could you buy him as? Uh, the new sort of imperial bad guy, or is that just too easy casting? Yeah, no, I think that'd be awesome. And awesome. I know what I mean. Do the easy casting; do, it's awesome. Do do the imperial bad guy yeah. yes. between him and Hugo Weaving. That's a whole lot of evil. Uh, a lot that's of a, heavy. Yeah, that's that's pretty do, awesome. Do that. Yes. Although uh, I could also see him be. I mean, he he is always the bad guy. He could also also be on the side of the Jedi or side of the rebels or whatever. You know. Yeah. Um, I guess they're not going to be as much rebels anymore, right? I guess. Oh, well, there's still going to be pockets of the Empire left because they blew up the Death Star. But remember, they had outposts and ships all over the galaxy. That's that's Yavin. Yeah, I mean that's a that's an interesting. (laughs) You you gotta have you have to have a formidable enough foe. You know what I mean? In order to make it an interesting kind of like. It, look, if Star Wars is not to some degree good versus evil, it ain't Star Wars. That's yeah. true. You know, you got to have the classic. You got to have the uh, the Joseph Campbell elements. You got to have the white hats and the you, black hats. You got to. You <laughs> got to, and it works. Yeah, you, you know, keeping it real, people. She is. Uh, let's let's talk about something that is is amazing in its own way. Optimus Prime on a robot dinosaur with a sword in his hand. <laughs> yes, we're talking about the Super Bowl spot for Transformers 4. Yes. We did a rewind theater on it. Um, I'm sorry. That 
shit looks kind of fun. <laughs> like, I know it's more of the same. It really is. But it just, come on. It's Optimus Prime on a dinosaur robot, on a Dinobot with a sword. It's up there. And I said this in the rewind, like those Chuck Norris or Jesus on a dinosaur with uh, a lightsaber <laughs> paintings or memes that are online. That's what it is. Yeah. I mean, th- that element is very cool. I mean, I thought I, I think never the problem with Transformers is has never been that the Transformers don't look awesome because they yeah. have looked awesome in every single Transformers movie. So that's not the thing. It's more about the story. And I'm actually very happy we're leaving Shia behind in that whole world because I think that that nah, – okay, we had three movies of that. Now so it's is the movie, I'm kind sure. Kind of nice to <laughs> – yeah, it's true. <laughs> it's kind of nice to have like – a new set of people step in and tell a story and it also i don't know this may or may not be the case michael bay has said that they're going to do less humor and all that stuff it might be a way to kind of like softly say hey some of the campy stuff that was in those first three we're not going to do that anymore but then again there are big robot dinosaurs um (laughs) yeah i mean like the i like the fact that it's like you know we open with describing the image of optimus prime on a dinosaur robot with a sword in his hand and then we're like but they're not gonna do campy this time around you guys (laughs) they're playing it straight this is gritty (laughs) hey they're just trying to stick to the source material i think (laughs) i i listen i think this like i rode the transformers ride the other in Orlando, which it's I great, had. Right? It's so awesome. Yeah, it's it's really so never dude. Universal City. It is so awesome. And it's everything. And after I got off the ride, I was like, that was everything the Transformers movie should be because it was like condensed into this, you know, like. <laughs> it should be 30 seconds long. <laughs> but it was so much fun. It and cost $150 just to walk in the door. And I feel like if you can just trim out some of the things that don't, that didn't work in the stories and didn't work in the first movies, if you can just make it this visceral, like, 57-minute experience for me, I will be so happy. I feel like even some of the little stupid banter with his family in the first one was okay, but then you started getting into John Turturro and his underpants, and that stuff was all really unbearable. But that movie, the first movie, I will still still say I still like it. Yeah. The other two, I I haven't watched three, so I can't rag on it. I I like three more than I like two. Um, We actually have uh, some video game movie news to talk about this week uh three different properties i can one of them is just a news item i can blurt out there zachary quinto yes the new mr spock or uh uh, was it siler from heroes he was siler yeah yeah um and then hannah ware from the tv series betrayal have joined the cast of agent 47 that is the the new title of hitman 2 which uh, Rupert Friend from Homeland is playing the new Agent 47. Which I think we all like here, right? Yeah, I think, I think that's, that's really cool. <laughs> Rupert, that we like Rupert Friend or we like the casting? I like Rupert Friend. I like the casting in general, actually. Yeah, I do too. See, no, I would not like it, though, if we hadn't seen Homeland first. I think Rupert Friend is a much grittier Orlando Bloom. <laughs> he is exactly that. that. He's like the he is like Orlando's Blo- Orlando Bloom's much more badass twin brother. <laughs> um, I think it's great casting. I think it's really he he's a very good actor. I would have thought that. I think Homeland helps, but I had seen him in a few random things before Homeland. He did a lot of like period piece stuff, yeah, he right? Wasn't he in like Pride and Prejudice? He was or in something? Pride and Prejudice, in fact, as um, a scoundrel. Now here's something that's <laughs> probably a little bit more divisive. Uncharted the movie. Uh, Seth Gordon, the director of The King of Kong, as well as Horrible Bosses and Identity Thief, is going to direct the very long gestating now uh, video game movie uh, from a script by David Guggenheim, who wrote Safe House. Um, 
What do you guys think about uh, Seth Gordon directing Uncharted, Chris? Yeah, I mean, I loved King of Kong, and that is, yeah, I, and, and, you know, like, around King of Kong, I talked to those guys a bunch, and he is definitely a video game lover. So from that perspective, I think that's great. Um, when you look at the rest of his work, it's more comedic in tone, so it's hard to judge how he'll do action. It's hard to judge all that stuff. King um, of Kong is also funny, it, though. It is true, yeah. but, I mean, it's also working with, you know, right, interviews right, right. rather than scripted. Right. So... Um, I guess my thoughts are this: like, I don't know how he's gonna handle action. He's definitely, he's definitely like proven that he can make a movie, uh, make money. Um, mm-hmm. That's that's for sure. And I think it's gonna come down to casting and who he surrounds himself with on this movie. I don't have an opinion on the writer really, but I think, um, I think it could be good. I, I'm I'm withholding judgment a little bit. It's weird that it like I I would think they would go with somebody like Joe Johnston or somebody who's had sort of experience doing this sort of thing. Um, but you know maybe it's a bottom line thing. Maybe yeah. they're like, hey, we can get him and for this and maybe yeah. he had a really great pitch. Or that's what, that was the other thing I was gonna say. Maybe yeah. he had an awesome pitch. I mean, we you, it's so hard to know about these things. That I think even remember in terms of Skyfall, one of the biggest worries was like Sam Mendes is going to do an action sequence. That's madness. Yeah. And then it, they were great action sequences to me. I really enjoyed. Oh no, them. I did too. Um, so you never know, and you're right. It, it depends on like who is around him that really knows how to. If he has this great idea. Who is there that knows how to execute that idea? Yeah. You yeah. Know? Well, here, to, to keep with your Bond uh, kind of comparison, it, it could also, though, just as easily be like a quantum of solace thing where you have the schizophrenic visual and stylistic nature to the movie where you have a director who's got one sensibility and then the second unit guy with a completely different sensibility did all the action. Yeah. Because I, that's, that would be my concern is that whoever does the, the action stuff for uncharted has to make sure that it can keep with agreed you know just don't don't turn it into born when what they're really probably the totally going for is like the mummy more indie or the mummy yeah um i would also say on the bond tip uh, michael aft had made a good point he you know i i asked him i said you know you came from this background of like documentary and then you did these really sort of like buttoned up movies and then you know, British director put into the Bond franchise with really no action experience whatsoever. And he said, the best thing that you can do as a director in situations like that is just surround yourself with the people who know what they're doing and take their advice. And he said, you don't want the movie to get away from you. You don't want to, you know, give them full reign to do whatever they want to, but collaborate with somebody who you really respect their work in that area. And I think that's a good note. I think that's something that any director could do but don't don't put it on another unit where you're not looking at it, you know? You're going to have to be with that person, like, telling them what you want from this whole, you know, be an auteur to a degree. Yeah. I think Mark Forster, though, truly was an odd choice to direct a Bond film in retrospect. I mean, even in looking at his other films. Or even with World War Z, yeah, too. Yeah, you know, like, I really... evidenced by how that production went. Well. Yeah, I really think he... Whereas, I think Mendez, for whatever reason, like, I think he did... And he was there on this... I mean, I saw, like, I was there on one of the action days in Turkey when they were doing, like, the crash into the market, and he was there. He's the guy that was there, you know. There was Second Unit doing other things, of course, but, like, I think he he had enough confidence in his own storytelling ability to tie the action to the story he wanted to and tell. And also I think there's the intangibles of just somebody who can command yeah. the room and command people's yep. respect in a way that 
that you know some directors have it more than others. Um, uh, speaking of directors in video game movies, Resident Evil, uh, Resident Evil Six, Paul W S Anderson is out doing press for Pompeii, and uh, he said that uh, there won't be a Resident Evil Six this year, despite previous reports. Uh, they still don't have a script locked yet, and he's going on vacation. So <laughs> I wouldn't hold your breath for Resident Evil Six, but it's still it's still probably going to happen. But it's a ways it's a ways off. It is so that movie that movie series is so profitable for them that like for everybody involved, for him, for yeah. uh, for all all involved, um, they, it'll definitely happen. It's just when it's yeah. going to happen. I think it might be the last one though. Um, one last uh, news item before we talk about something a little bit of a downer, but. Um, uh, the Hateful Eight, Quentin Tarantino. There are rumors that maybe, maybe it'll be, maybe he's reconsidering this whole. We're not making the thing after the script, <laughs> which leak. is exactly what everybody thought was going to happen. Yeah, right? that he basically just threw a tantrum, and then now he's kind of coming around. I still don't think it was. A t- I mean, I genuinely think that he had every right to be very pissed off. Oh yeah, no, I agree. Know? I agree. Um, all right, well, justified tantrum. What, what, <laughs> what of all of those pe- pieces of news before we apparently are going to talk about kittens getting bashed with hammers? Like you look like you were like we're going to talk about something very upsetting. <laughs> what? Um, what of all of those bits of newses, newses and items <laughs> and movies and stuffs are you? How's you the most excited? The two of you? Uh, I would have to uh, on the video game tip or the comic book movie tip. Oh, we get a split category. It's all well, dubious. Uh, none of the video game stuff uh, really excites me. Uh, I can tell you what uh, is, strikes the most fear in me: <laughs> Fantastic Four. Oh, I try. I just think it's going to be awful. I think it's going to be an expensive version of Corman. I just want to say something Corman. to the listeners right now, so that I hope that you guys will tweet Jen oh, with the hashtag catastrophist because <laughs> i try so hard to put a positive framework for that question like there's no way he could turn that negative what are you most excited about instead let me tell you what strikes fear into my heart tell me what you sa- what sounded interesting to you goddammit, it jim <laughs> uh i i love the idea of uh uh jeremy irons as as alfred and i hope he's a more badass alfred uh like the yeah. some of the versions where he's like former sas uh, I think that could be very interesting. Or he's just that creepy butler that runs, you know, he's like one of the American Horror Story type guys where he's just like, yes, welcome to Wayne Manor. <laughs> like, you know, the gloomy, weird guy. Um, and, and I do like, I, I like the idea of Eisenberg as as Lex Luthor, but I, I'm not really nuts about this rumor that he would be this tattooed, skinhead, street punk kind of kid. Yeah. I, I think that's... That's the bridge too far. You you have to. Uh, somebody on another site posted. Wait, it's a bald guy with arm tattoos who hates Superman. Oh, so it's David Goyer. Oh man! <laughs> wow. Yeah. So, uh, Carl, what about you? What are you excited yeah, for? I mean, I would say the Age of Forty Seven casting because everything else seems dubious to me. <laughs> the Age of Forty Seven <laughs> casting sounds like the best stuff. Um, I'm actually, I mean. The Rupert Friend news is old, but like I thought that was a really, really good replacement for Paul Walker. Yeah. Um, and since his sort of turn as sniper in Homeland, well, sniper operative, you know, he's yeah. like, he's, he does all kinds of stuff. I think he would be great. And I think he could also do, I think he could bring a little humanity to the Agent 47 character, which is what. I think needs to happen in a movie. Um, in the game, he's you're able to be a cipher, yeah. so he's like a stone face killer. Look at you throwing down the fifty cent word. Freaking cipher, what's up? <laughs> <laughs> That's awesome. One other thing to be excited about is that IGN tomorrow Friday, 10 a.m. Pacific time is debuting 
the Red Band trailer for Sabotage, the Arnold Schwarzenegger uh, action thriller. It's got a bunch of people uh -huh. in there. Sam Worthington, Terrence Howard, Joe Manganiello. What's that? I saw the trailer. I want to see the thing. <laughs> I'm serious. I saw it in the movie theater because, like, lately, like, he's been having so much trouble at the box office. Arnie has. Arnie. Um, good old A-Dog. <laughs> and not surprisingly so, but I saw this and I was like, you know what? I think Sabotage might do okay. I really do. I, I think it's got a, it's got an, it, it basically, it's uh, the in, um, Agatha Christie story, Ten Little Indians, but mm -hmm. uh, they're DEA agents who, after a big um, bust, the money goes missing and they start getting picked off. So yeah. one of their own, I guess, has turned on them, and so it kind of turns into that sort of thing. And it's um, it, it looks intense. It's from David Ayer, who did wrote Training Day, and he, he made that uh, great movie that came out last year, End of Watch. Right. Yeah. And so I, I'm 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 very optis, uh, optimistic about this one. I think it, it could be what Arnold needs, but will Arnold gel with the rest of that very kind of. Uh, down and dirty kind of cast uh, it you know it's sometimes arnold really is a human cartoon character yeah and it's I like mean, will it will it work in that real world kind of thing I'll, I'll just say that and i'm before you guys say oh you were paid to say this i was not i didn't even <laughs> know we were debuting the trailer until jim just said it right now because that's how thanks much for reading ign because <laughs> <laughs> i pay no attention to anything but i did see this ahead of um when i went to see i frankenstein this last weekend i saw the trailer <laughs> yeah exactly <laughs> Oh I saw the trailer ahead of that, and I really did think that. And Chris Morgan, when I was interviewing him, um, Chris Morgan, who's the Fast and the Furious writer of and that, wanted and, and Wanted, and Conan, and he's doing Conan. And I was talking to him, and I was like, "Have you been paying attention to Schwarzenegger's box office, and does it worry you?" He was like, "No, it doesn't." And these are the following reasons. You can read the interview to find out why it does not bother <laughs> him. Um, but the other thing he said is like, "I think the David Ayer's film is going to do really well for him." And I would agree that it will probably do better. By the way, if you're interested in what I'm excited about. Yes. I am, of all of that news, the most intrigued by Batman Superman. I'm intrigued by it, although I agree with you. There are problems with him being a skinhead. And Evangeline <laughs> Lilly in any comic book movie. So oh, yeah, yeah. Oh, yeah. Actually, I will change yeah. my Well, I won't change my answer, but I love that, too. I, yeah. I think her and Paul Rudd will have great chemistry. Like yeah. I think that's going to be... I I hope she's Wasp because I think it'd be fun to see them end up in an Avenger sequel. Yeah, you know? that'd be awesome. Um, let, let's uh, let's push on to uh, uh, less than pleasant news. Philip Seymour Hoffman, the the wonderful, talented actor, passed away last weekend, uh, presumably of a of a drug overdose. He was 46 years old. Um, you know, he's left behind an amazing body of work for a guy who is. You know, only 46. He's really only been in the public consciousness for 15 years. Yeah. Um, you know, what what was your favorite uh, character or movie of his, Chris? I mean, there's so many. I, I think I really like... I had seen him in other stuff prior to Boogie Nights, but I think Boogie Nights was the thing where I was like, man, th this role could have been nothing. Could have been yeah. nothing. And yep. he made it like... He made that character very interesting. And you still remember um, the the meltdown of him in the car and in that very vulnerable <laughs> moment. You know, so awesome. And then, like mm. on the other end of his career, the master was just such oh, a yeah. such a great like sort of bit of acting on his part. And I, you know, like that that movie has left me like, I don't know if I love it. I I I like it. I, it's definitely challenging. But I have don't you know watched if I love the it. outtakes between him and and? Joaquin Phoenix. They were doing the the scene where they're smoking uh, um, 
cigarettes. And he said something about the, uh, um, oh God, I forgot what brand cigarette it was, but he's like, minty flavor and all that. And they just kept blowing it take after take. And it was great because that movie is so heavy, so serious and dramatic. And just to see them bust up in between lines or laugh yeah. at their lines or something. I can't it's like they were you know. smoking menthols. Oh, and, yeah. and then the other thing, I, I'll throw this out there because it just shows that he like dabbled in everything. His um, Along Came Polly <laughs> basketball court <laughs> sequence was pretty, pretty outstanding for the best part of that movie. So, I mean, that's the thing about Philip Seymour, Ho- Philip Seymour Hoffman's work was he really was the best thing in a lot of uh, not-so-great movies. Like, Along Came Polly, I don't remember anything about that movie. I don't remember liking it, but I remember his scenes. Yeah, his yeah. scenes You know, and that just he had a way to make you pay attention when he was on screen. Roth, your your favorite uh, role of his, favorite movie of his? Capote. Yeah? Yeah. I mean, I think he... Yeah. I, 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 um, I like Miller... Why am I forgetting his damn name right now? Truman Capote. Oh, Bennett Miller? Bennett Miller, thank yeah. you. Yeah. I like Bennett Miller. I, I'm a huge Moneyball fan, too. So I, I kind of like the director. But I think he was that in that, that too. Um, I know he was. Yeah, yeah, he was great in that. Um, but he wasn't the star of that, but, you know, whatever. Um, but I love I love his performance in Capote. I think it is it deserves every bit of acclaim that it got. Um, he was great in everything. I just saw him at TCA's. Um, there was a trailer for a new series that he's going to be in. I don't know what they're going to do with it now, um, but he was so great. Just even in this clip sequence, it was it was the most excited, probably the the show that I was most excited about that was upcoming. Um, I don't know. It's really sad to me. I just don't understand what it takes to be happy in this life. I mean, you have somebody that is the, the absolute pinnacle of their craft. Nobody can argue with that. You yeah. know, he's great at what he did. He was successful. To It's very rare to have those two things combined, to not only be excellent at something, but also really successful. He had kids. I don't get it. Like I, yeah. He had been uh, clean and sober for 23 years. What happened? I mean, but why? I like, I, I just don't. It's, it's just I mean, that's the whole a stupid so question, right? I mean, of course, it's a stupid question because life is complicated and people are addicted to things and everything. Yeah. But he, he had, like, he could have been one of those actors who 40 years from now was still working. Yeah. Like, he had, he had so many more roles left to play. It was just, it's just such a goddamn shame the whole thing but did you guys see synecdoche synecdoche no it's the charlie kaufman no it's not synecdoche that's the place it's synecdoche synecdoche yeah that's that's the whatever the movie is about have you seen it uh-huh no uh that's it's very very interesting charlie kaufman movie and it's it gets meta like layers and layers of meta on top of each other so unlike charlie kaufman kind of hard to watch but um and towards the end it just gets like off the rails but there's a there's a like, I I would say like the 45 minutes in the middle of the movie are just kind of magical, where like <laughs> stuff is starting to unravel and he's so good in it. Uh, there's a news item related to uh, uh, Hoffman's passing uh, about Mockingjay, the the two part finale of uh, the Hunger Games. He only had a a about seven days worth of work reportedly left to film on that movie, including a very key uh, emotional scene for his character that they are now going to have to uh, uh, reconfigure somehow. There's some talk that maybe they try to digitally recreate him for that, but uh, I I don't know. I I mean, yeah, down the line, you know, if he hasn't shot 
some of the scenes, I don't know what they're going to do. I don't think that they can't. You cannot recast it. No, they're not going to. They're not going to. They shot most of it. Yeah. yeah, they said it won't affect the release dates. So the movies are still going to come out the end of November of this year and next year. It's a two-part finale to the series. They're still, they still have months of filming left. It was his role, uh, just seven days left of filming. Um, and then, of course, he's got a couple of other movies in the pipeline that are coming out. He was supposed to direct a Miller, uh, a, a movie called uh, Ezekiel Moss that would have had Jake Gyllenhaal and Amy Adams in it. And now, yeah. of course, that's you know probably not going to happen with a, unless they get a different director. But there's been no word on that. Hmm. Um, but, yeah, I, I guess uh, to answer my own question, I'd say the, the I think the master is probably the performance of his that I'll remember the most. But uh, Boogie Nights, I, I'd have to say his his one scene, that one scene of his where he loses it in the car is so effective and so raw. And the guy had such range. He could play sad. He could play frumpy. He could play angry. He could play commanding. I mean, he was great in Mission Impossible 3. Yeah. And then he's got that one like uh, scene in, in Punch Drunk Love where he plays like the, mm. the phone sex operator uh, owner. He's in a mattress store and just the way he loses his shit on the phone. <laughs> so and ever, like, it's so unnerving. Did you ever unnerving. see him in a play? No, I wanted to. I yeah. so badly wanted to see him. And uh, I, he did Death of a Salesman. It was him and Andrew Garfield. Um, yeah. And, uh, you know, in Death of a Salesman, I would have loved to have seen that. Um, but yeah, no, it's just the whole thing is so terrible. Yeah. But, um, Let's uh, let's start to wrap this up here. Now we have uh, opening up this weekend. We have the Lego Movie, Just which is awesome. And everything then, is awesome. Yes, that song has been stuck in my head ever since I saw the movie. And then the Monuments Man, which my review for it is up at the site, <laughs> which isn't awesome. Uh, yeah, I didn't really <laughs> care for it. And then Vampire Academy, which who I don't knows? know anybody who has seen it. You they, know, this is really distressing to me, by the way, because. Yeah. No, well, maybe that's a massive exaggeration. I don't really care that much. <laughs> this, but is <laughs> this is minorly distressing. This is But like Vampire Academy, I think is something I had entirely written off. I was like, stop trying to capitalize on that market so much. Stop. <laughs> but which is such a stupid thing to think. It's like, stop trying to make money. Um, but then it was, it's the writer, I think it's the writer of Mean Brothers, their brothers, writer of Mean Girls and the director of Heathers. And yeah, the I, Waters. Yeah, the Waters. And I love those movies. They are so funny and sharp um, and biting. No pun intended. Mm. <laughs> um, and so I had actual hopes for Vampire Academy that it might be one that stood out from the pack. But the fact that they're not letting anybody see it, see it Makes me think probably not. Yeah, yeah I mean, I, I've been the uh, studio has told me about every clip, poster, interview, fart that's related to this movie, Ooh, but they will not show farts. you. They, they, I've asked several times, hey, are you screening it? Oh, no, we haven't said that. Yeah. And it opens up in like six hours. So, yeah. So, um, we can be confident that there's going to be a new number one, and we can be confident that that new number one is going to be Lego movie. But yes. By yes. how much? By a lot. I, this movie I think is, it's going to be huge. I missed the first like 20 minutes of it because there was a snafu when it came to the timing of the screening. But even having seen just that without the first 20 minutes, it is so good. It's so much fun. It really does have the four quadrant appeal um <laughs> no really like you could see, see kids enjoying it and definitely adults i choked up at the end 
It wow. is. It's moving as well. It's moving too. So okay. So let's talk numbers. I think <laughs> Lego is going to open up at. I'm going to say sixty. I'm going. I, I think, think that's that entirely that is, possible. Yeah. I I think there's a lot of cross generational Lego appeal. I think. Um, and it is from the the makers of Twenty One Jump Street and Clyde with a Chance of Meatballs. These guys don't miss Chris Lord, Chris Miller. Wait, what good luck? Chris Lord Miller, Phil Lord, and Chris Miller. I yeah. got it. You yeah, got I, it. Love, I love I <laughs> love the original Cloudy. is so so good. And um, okay, so then I think after that will be uh, Monuments Men. Well, Mm-mm. I don't know. Actually, I think Va- Vampire Academy will be second. You do? Yeah, I think. Uh, I, I feel like Vampire Academy is dead on arrival. I think it's gonna be fifteen million, and I think Monuments Men is gonna do about fourteen. Okay. But the the weekend belongs to Lego. You said Lego with sixty. Yeah. All right. I think um, I think Lego number one. I'm gonna say uh, fifty three, and I think Monuments Men uh, will be second with nineteen. And then I think uh, Ride Along will hang in there. I think I, I, I think Vampire Academy, I'm going to say, like, fourth place, and I'm going to say $7 million. I For don't, Vampire, I, what about Ride Along? I think Ride Along will be uh, third place with about 10 So you don't think Frozen will be in the top? You think it'll I be think, five? I think Lego is going to uh, uh, cut into yeah. Frozen quite a bit. I think, you know, Frozen has been out so long now. Yeah. That um, as much as people love it, and I don't know anybody who doesn't really, you know, enjoy the movie, um, I, I think there's just an appetite for something new. So uh, what, what do you think, uh, Roth, uh, um, this weekend? I think Lego at 55. Okay. Um, I think Monuments at 14. Okay. Um, and... That's tough. I mean, I agree with you about Vampire Academy. It's just not on anybody's radar. Um, so I'll say for Ride Along also. Okay. We'll, we'll trail into number three with, se- I don't know, seven and a half if I have to say something different. Okay. <laughs> what about Vampire Academy? You think fourth place or something? I think I'm going to drop it down to fifth. Wow. Oh, okay. Yeah. Like, okay. I just, well, well, we I don't hear, but, you know, it, watch it open yeah. up at number one and make yeah, one. You want to give me a, a numeral, maybe? I'll give you a numeral five. <laughs> <laughs> the easy numeral. Enjoy it. All right, guys. Well, again, check out the uh, Red Band trailer debut tomorrow on IGN uh, for Sabotage. Uh, give us a shout-out over on iTunes. Uh, shoot us your, your thoughts at keepingitreal at IGN.com. Sorry. Sorry. We didn't yet, again, have time for Matt Damon. <laughs> you know, it's like the Jimmy Kimmel thing. Oh, Matt um, Damon. But uh, uh, as always, thank you for listening. We'll catch you next time.